0: of the podcast, just want to give you a quick outline of what you're going to hear. First, you're going to hear from Frank and Joey Mazzaka as they talk about the amateur boxing show going on at the Ukrainian Orthodox Center at 1025 North Bella Vista Avenue on October 13th. You can find more information on our Facebook page as we'll post their information there. That fight card will begin October 13th at 6 p.m. Doors will open. 7 p.m. will be first fight And you'll learn all about that coming up here shortly. Second I want to talk about is our special guest on the podcast today is Nate Mavis. Nate is from the Thinking Poker podcast. He's half of that with Andrew Brokress. They've been doing that for many years. And Nate is a huge baseball fan and very knowledgeable and loves to talk about the game. So I invited him on to talk about the baseball playoffs. He graciously said yes. And we're going to have that here for you shortly. So sit back, enjoy Radio MVP Sports Podcast, as this is episode number 52 with Frank and Joey Mazzaraka and Nate Mavis, a special guest here on Radio MVP. This is going to be fun. This is an opportunity to talk to two guys I know for a while now, Joey and and Frank Mazzaraka. And you guys have a great uh, foundation coming up here.
1: Mazzaraka. I don't know, Mazaka. Mazaka.
0: Mazaka. I said Mazaraka, didn't I? It's yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: gonna be a good interview. Was, yeah, yeah, no, no. I
0: shouldn't <laughs> just read it. <laughs> right <on> <laughs> Mazarak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. Wait till it is there because I ain't editing one bit of it. Look <laughs> at your show. <laughs> this. Just like the entire
2: show. We just swing it. Who cares? Exactly. Whatever happens, happens. <laughs>
0: well, you know, you should see me on every Friday night looking at names, trying to pronounce them properly. Yeah. And then sometimes I say, oh, well, screw it. He's Smith. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Because i tell you what, when I coached, if you didn't start, I didn't know your
1: name. <laughs> And I did that for 25 years.
2: So, <laughs> did you hear that, Coach Hoffman? Don't rehire him again.
0: <laughs> you probably still remember their names.
2: <laughs> uh, you're right. You're
1: right. As you get older, you get
0: you know, CRS. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a, uh, a, kidney foundation coming up here for uh, in memory of your your father. Talk about uh, on Saturday, October. Uh, A thirteenth.
2: Just talk about what's going on and where it's at, and uh, what's what's it all about? Okay. Well, it's going to be at the Ukrainian Orthodox Center, ten twenty-five North Bella Vista Avenue in Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, It's going to be an amateur show. Tom Cordell's in the process of getting all the fighters together. He usually does a really good job. Uh, His last show was really wonderful. The fights he had. So I'm expecting another good uh, showing. Uh, Of course, they always bring a lot of the uh, former champions of the area. If they're in town, they come. And, uh, you know, recognize them. We're going to be honoring uh, Rusty Rosenberger, a uh, former big fighter of the area. Uh, Tom Rapatsky is going to be receiving the Red Mazaka Fighter uh, Award as he's going through dials right now like uh, my dad was. And Brian Danilow, of course, the whole valley knows him as a big coach of basketball in Campbell and Ursuline. And then uh, Wayne Zetz, Campbell's uh, championship uh, baseball. baseball coach. So it's going to be a good time, and uh, proceeds are going to go to the Eastern Regional Kidney Foundation. And um, come on out and have a good time.
0: You know, I've said this, and I'm sure you both will agree with this. Our area is such a tradition in in sports, but if you look at the three sports that always dominated the the headlines in our area, it's football, it's baseball, and it's boxing. Right. And the boxing in our area we get great amateur fights all the time around here, and people don 't recognize it as much it doesn 't get the the publicity it used to when they used to have the the golden gloves, golden gloves. And, and everything else around here. but this is a great opportunity. I had a chance to go last year to a couple of these shows, and it 's just it 's a great time and it 's and these kids actually get out there and they 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 put up the the, exactly. the, the gloves. They want to have fun. They they want to pr- improve and they want to prove who they are. Exactly. And I went to a couple of them with uh, my brother and his wife and and uh, you know
1: you have a good time. And trust me, you know since the Golden Gloves have they're non-existent in this area anymore, the kids need something. And they and this is the way you know Southside Boxing and uh, Burnside and uh, all these other boxing clubs in the area here. This is what they these kids need. And it keeps them off the street first of all okay it keeps them fit and that's what the, and that's what basically what you want for every kid okay you want to try to keep all the, every kid off the street as much as you can okay and I think with the boxing that these guys do lights out management as well as Jack Lowe and all them I think these guys do a wonderful job okay and then my hat goes off to them and, you know they spend all this time doing it and trust me I coached baseball and football for 25 years okay you take a lot of time out of your family when you're coaching you know, and I gave it up because of my daughter and having her baby and giving me a grandson and everything else. But you know, it's like twenty-five years, and these guys do this every three months or every four months, whatever they feel they could get at a boxing show together. And I will tell you what, and that's a lot of traveling to get sponsors and stuff like this going. So
0: it is. And you mentioned light outs, Lights Out Management and uh, Mike Sepaldi and he's done this around here for a long time, and. When you're talking about boxing uh, promotion, he does a great job. And
2: a guy who's been involved in, the, you know, baseball and everything else Still around it. in Baseball. Still, exactly. Still involved with Class B and Little B and everything. And uh, when Mike came to me with this idea, I says, you know, my dad's a great idea because the first show that he did at St. Lucie's was because of my dad. Mike says, hey, can we get a show at St. Lucie's? And my dad did everything he could to get them at St. Lucie's at the Playermost Center. And it was a wonderful show. And... He says, "Can we do one in your dad's name?" I says, "Sure." I says, "I says, if it's a success, we'll do a couple more down the road." I says, "So it's gonna be great." But like I said, Mike, uh, Tom, and the whole crew—I mean, they—they work hard. They work hard, and it's not easy, you know. No, it's not. And what General Mission is what fifteen bucks,
0: and we have VIP for twenty-five dollars, and tables are for sale too. Correct. Right,
1: you could get a table of eight for three hundred or four hundred. And then you know, if you want an ad, it's a hundred dollars for a full page ad, which we already went out and got a couple of those right now. But you know, eight fifty. <laughs> and then we what you have another we have another one if you pay so much for thing and if you pay an extra two hundred fifty or another hundred fifty, you get the oh, yeah,
3: the pad you on get the, the ring, corner pads and all, all that,
1: all yeah. signed by all the box local uh, fighters in the area here. So I mean, it's something to enjoy. It's a night out for you guys and take your girls or your wives or whoever, and. And actually, the food is not that bad either because Patsy's Bar and Grill is the one no, who does that. I don't
2: think Patsy's going to be able to do it this time, but they'll, they'll have somebody going. And uh, you never know; might be the next Boom Boom Man, Senior Ray, um Kelly Pavlik in the ring. You never know. Years
0: ago, uh, and you probably m- you may remember, uh, I had a friend of mine uh, lived up in Niles, and he had his own boxing clubs and stuff like that. He talked about it. We used to do some radio stuff with him, and, and Sal used to, uh, Marino, and he and I would talk, and this was back when Kelly was still an amateur locally, and he, I went to a couple shows with him, and he would pull me aside, he goes, that kid, going to be a world champion, you know, and he goes, he's, he's old school, he got that old school style, and he would, right. he, you know, he did a lot of biographies about the local fighters and that, but Sal was special, and uh, these boxing, these kids coming up now, like you said, they have this the, the opportunity to showcase themselves, and you never know who you may see.
1: Exactly, but it takes a lot of work on these kids as part two, you know, you just can't go in the ring, and three minutes is a long time to last in the ring, I'm telling you, for one round. You're going three rounds now, I believe it is three rounds, three right Joe? Round. Three rounds, that's nine minutes, but I'm going to tell you something, three minutes per round, for three rounds is a lot tougher than going one hour in a football field.
2: <laughs> so, you know, you're going to see the kids that come to these fights and fight during these shows. These are kids that are dedicated. These are the ones that show up to the gym and want to do this. You know, there's guys that go in, they'll fight one or two days in the gym, and then they, you don't. These guys will see them. Tom Cordell tells me he says the the motivation with some of these kids ain't there, but the ones that come to these fight shows, uh, I've seen a few of them over and over. I could tell they want to be the next champion of the area. and Hopefully they do. <laughs> yeah, all right. That is uh,
0: Saturday, October 13th at the Ukrainian Orthodox Center, 1025 North Bella Vista Avenue in Youngstown and Ohio. Frankie and
2: Joey, thank you both for coming on. Enjoyed it.
1: Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. Yes, Appreciate
2: and- this. It was great, great to get out with your... Uh, listeners <laughs> i have no
0: problem appreciate it we'll talk to you soon and uh i'm going to just send it back to myself right now because we're going to be you know editing all this crap <laughs> <laughs> i'd
2: like, like to say one more thing too yeah. we love you dad yeah
0: there's that for you buddy all right guys thanks again and we will uh we'll have this on the air this week As a matter of fact uh episode number 52 of the podcast thanks again we'll talk to you all soon Hi, everyone. I'm Tim, along with Anthony and a special guest, Nate Mavis from Melrose, Massachusetts. And we're going to be talking sports, basically baseball today here on episode number 52 of the Radio MVP Sports Podcast. And I uh, get a chance here. Let me just do this first because I do everything improvised. Everybody knows that by now. Uh, Nate Mavis is from Melrose, uh, Massachusetts, and he is one of the co-hosts of thinking poker podcast now we're not talking poker today maybe someday in the future but not today Uh, he also has written two books uh, called thinking tournament poker volumes one and two and nate is like i said a one of two people from thinking poker the other one is andrew brokus who uh he has done that podcast what i want to say five maybe six years now Nate,
4: six years six years and a half six years and a half a month yeah we've been at it a while wow yeah, I've done about two hundred and sixty episodes wow. uh, just about every week for six years. and uh, it's largely thanks to 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 listeners like you. you know we 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 have a great audience. We've been very lucky in that regard. and uh, we've just been trying to chronicle uh, poker week by week and uh, and we're still at it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a, it is It's one of the better uh, podcasts that I listen to on a weekly basis, and I mean that sincerely because it's a uh, It's always been one of my treats. I've been listening for at least five years, if not longer. And uh, it's, you know, I'm not what I would consider myself anything great of a poker player. Just enjoy the conversation and learning about different hands and uh, hearing about the different people in in the game. And uh, I truly do appreciate what both you and Andrew do each week. And it is a, a great podcast. And I recommend it highly for those out there. And I've said this before. There's about three or four podcasts I used to listen to. And I kept telling myself after all these years of being out of radio that I need to get back into the game and do something and uh, on a daily basis. And I says, well, I don't want to do that no more. And I says, I should do a podcast. And I had the, the website for about two, three years, just doormatted, not to, just didn't know what I wanted to do with it. And then one day I ended up in a uh, convenience store and I t- started talking to Anthony here, who's a huge sports fan and, we started talking about some local sports, and I, I flippantly said to him, Hey, you, sh- you should have your own podcast. And then I looked on back, I said, Screw it. Let's do it together. I have the website. We just got to get it put it together. And that's how uh, Radio MVP was born. That simple conversation
4: one day in a convenience store. It's fantastic. That's fantastic. <laughs> I, have, uh, I, I have two quick questions for you guys before we get started properly. Okay. No. Sure. Number one, are, are are you offended if I have the game on over in the over in the background there? Is we're, uh, yeah. we're 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 broadcasting while the thing we're talking about is occurring. So that's thing one. Thing number two. You no, guys are we're on, good. You guys are in Ohio, right? Yes, that is correct. You should know I'm from Michigan, and I I, I have some of a, a Michigander's sort of a native sense of rivalry with Ohio. But uh, you guys seem cool, so it's okay.
0: <laughs> That's quite okay. I, I have the I have the same mission to Michigan <laughs> fans, so I like have fun with them. So, Two ways.
3: <laughs> We've already dispatched Michigan uh, on the Virginia sack. Ah, uh, yeah. Anyways, let's get into this a little bit. We're going to talk
0: baseball, and I don't know, uh, Nate. I know you're a Detroit fan, uh, yeah. and that is from like you mentioned your Michigan background. But you've been up in Massachusetts for quite a few years now. And uh, talking uh, in that area, you must be uh, inundated with the Red Sox news and just baseball from, that, from the Northeast.
4: Yeah, it's amazing. It's, uh, of all the places I've lived in, uh, Michigan is, is – suburban Detroit is number two for sort of average baseball fandom. And Boston is number one. Like I can walk the dog at night and watch the game more or less uninterrupted just by looking in the windows of, of the people up and down the street. It's, uh, it's really something people are really behind the team. It helps when they win 108 games. I'll say (laughs) it helps when you have a a historically good team, but uh, I'm in a a sort of old fashioned suburb and uh, baseball's alive and well here. A lot of Red Sox stuff going on much more than the average, uh, person in tempe arizona likes the diamondbacks or uh you know even baltimore which is a pretty good baseball town um it, even that can't compare really to what we have here
0: question i've never been up that way but i look forward to that opportunity uh to get up that way just to watch some baseball someday i know that tickets are tough to get to and <laughs> maybe someday i will well we'll invest a year or two ahead of time and try to get tickets
4: yeah yeah
3: it's incredible love the red sox fans have the team i've I was fortunate enough to visit Fenway when I was younger. So it's absolutely incredible. Tim, I highly recommend a a visit to Fenway. Yeah.
4: It's fun. It's It's fun. It's one
3: in the bucket list of baseball.
4: Get
0: into this a little bit. Uh, uh, obviously, the, the National League uh, playoffs have begun today with the Brewers and the Rockies, but I just want to get your initial thoughts here on Game 163 that happened this week in the wildcard games, Nate. Just give me, a, give me an overall thought. What, what did you see, and what did you like, and what surprised
3: you?
4: I think we're in a new era. I think I'm going to say the obvious thing, which is that the, the, the bullpenning is pretty exciting. We're seeing that today, too, and uh, I, I feel a little bit old. Because just two years ago everybody wondered if shifts would be you know the next big thing in baseball and uh, having one guy on the other side of second base seems like nothing compared to some of the pitching staff uh stuff we're seeing so that's i mean that's i think uh very exciting i also think that the wild card is uh making bud zelig look very good these days Uh, we just year after year we have amazing games um high quality teams making the playoffs the the and uh, you know, really, a three-game series is not much less random than a one-game series. I, I I like the one-game format. I like the wild card format, and uh, I think we have excellent teams this year. I mean, it's heartbreaking that the Cubs can go from they went from the best record in the National League to out in in four days, five days, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So that that that's pretty harsh. But then they didn't win their division. So uh, I think. I think uh, I'm going to say the obvious thing, which is that the bullpens are exciting to me. I think the slightly less obvious thing is that the culture of, of if you want to call it tanking, or if you want to call it really having a laser focus on World Series, uh, future World Series wins as opposed to future 500 teams, uh, we have all these teams that are just stocked, stocked, stocked with talent. You know, again, I'm a Tigers fan, and I, I think – if the Tigers had had access to all these teams selling off everything like those 2011 to 2014 Tigers teams that were so good and terrible bullpens, imagine if those teams could have benefited from 10 teams, just giving away all their relievers at the deadlines, then we would have had this juggernaut. So um, now you can say that's good or bad, but the indisputable consequence is that in the playoffs, you have 10 teams that are really stacked top, top to bottom. And, uh, I mean, like the Indians, not the best team in the league, but do they have any obvious weaknesses? I I think no. And they also have Josh Donaldson, who's a wild card. So that's very exciting. Brewers, excellent. Cubs, excellent. I mean, mean, we just have 10, or I guess now eight, uh, truly excellent teams, top to bottom, very little obvious weaknesses in any of the teams. And it makes for very exciting uh, postseasons. Yeah, I think what I like the most about... Uh, this year's
3: playoffs is even though Boston won 108 games and had an incredible season. There's anybody that can win the World Series. You mentioned the Indians only win 91 games. I say only because the Yankees and the Red Sox in Astros went over 100. And like you said, they have as good a shot as anybody with the bullpen now becoming a strength. There's after the trade deadline, uh, the rotation we've, Tim uh, and I have discussed for three years now. And the offense, like you mentioned, uh, Josh Donaldson uh, coming over in late August or early September has been a much-needed boost to the offense to lengthen out the lineup and to help the the Indians take pressure off Lindor Ramirez and Encarnacion.
4: Yeah, yeah. Do you get the sense that you guys are like uh, sort of kids on Christmas Eve here? Because at least the sense, I think, in the national media is that the Indians just sort of strolled to the Central Division title they gave everybody as much injury rest as they needed and maybe more. And nobody really knows how good they are. Is is that is that also the sense in uh, where you guys are?
0: I think you're right there, Nate. And, you know, I even seen some interviews with some of the players, and they mentioned throughout the season that they really haven't played a meaningful game since May. Yeah. And the last real meaningful games they played were against the Red Sox in, in August, just kind of yeah. to test themselves. And yeah. I definitely do believe that was part of the problem with the Indians focus this year is they didn't have that laser like they had last year when they won that big uh, winning streak of 22 games at the end of the season. However, this makeup of this team is a little bit different than the last two years. Uh, And I think you've seen a front office that was never panicked uh, throughout the season and was always looking to make moves to give themselves the best opportunity, not this, this year, but continue to have that opportunity in the future. I thought the hand deal was really critical at the time when they made it, to the all-star break to give them some stability in the bullpen that at the time was lacking. And then, uh, you know, they made the deal for the center fielder. Unfortunately, you know, his health went uh, bad and they couldn't, you know, continue with that. And then you get the Donaldson deal late. I thought that was huge. And I, I've been a big fan of uh, the Cabrera pickup this year. Milky has uh, really lengthened the lineup and given them, you know, that switch hitter that either as a pinch hitter when he's not in a lineup or as someone who can bat from either side, uh, you know, play left field and has that that rocket arm. And I thought that has been huge for them as the season progressed in the second half. I thought they made some nice additions as the season went on. And the, the focus was, Let's just play good baseball and get to the playoffs. And that old saying, "Can you turn the switch on?" Who knows? Uh, but when yeah. you have four starting pitchers that potentially can on any given day win for you, that's I think what's their ace in the hole is—is is they're really counting on Kluber and and uh, and that gang to come through. You know, I think uh, you know Clevenger is, is a guy who's right on the verge of making that next step on the national level where people are going to recognize him. He had that 200 strikeouts this year, and he also had the, you know, a nice winning record, good ERA, and he's young and he's learning. He has that kind of nervous twitch in his lineup, but
4: it, it works for him. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's
4: right. And I um, Melky Cabrera is, I think, another good example of what I was talking about with the Christmas Eve effect. So, I, again, I'm out in AL East country, so I've seen a lot of Melky Cabrera, you know, going back to his Yankee days. And uh, that's somebody who it's very easy to imagine in a role a little bit like pa- Pablo Sandoval in 2013, where he's sort of right. like a streaky up and down mm-hmm. guy. And then all of a sudden he takes a team like the Giants and he's on fire in the playoffs. Like it's it's for me, at least it's very easy to imagine headlines saying, uh, you know, Malky Cabrera is the World Series MVP. And he's a guy he's a guy who can perform at a, at a really elite level um, for a month, certainly.
3: Yeah, I think or, it's Or not. <laughs> I think it was obviously Huge for the Indians to, to add Melky Cabrera, given all of the injuries, again, they seemingly had in the outfield. It seems like every year we're talking about outfield injuries for the Indians uh, with Chisholm Hall going down and Naquin going down and Zimmer going down. And, you know, three guys right there that you penciled in at the beginning of the year to help you out with Chisholm Hall and Zimmer being starters. You lose two of those. And then Naquin was hitting over 300. And then he went down with the hip, uh, so adding about a bat and a veteran presence like Melky Cabrera was huge for the Indians. Like Tim said, lengthen out the lineup and just giving them a veteran guy in the clubhouse to help them. And like you said, maybe could be huge just uh, this time of year. I, I think, you know, Tim and I, as well as many of these fans, are very excited uh, for the start of the series tomorrow. I would say I think we're cautiously optimistic. We know our team, and you know we know we have a very good shot. We we played well against the Astros this year. Sands two belt, uh, bullpen meltdowns. Um, I think we're cautious because of what's happened in the past. You, you know, last week we get up two nothing, and year you know, for that we're up three to one. And what's happened in the past, so I think that's a little cautious. But I do think, like you said, that most of the national media is not talking about Denny's to the extent as the Astros, the Yankees, the Red Sox.
4: Which, to some extent, is understandable. I mean, the Astros are the defending World Series uh-huh. champions, and uh, also like the Indians, they you know they won their division, probably not at full strength, and uh, you know young talent just coming out of their ears. So it, it's it's a uh, uh-huh. it's a tough matchup, but you know no no bad teams, no bad teams anymore.
0: No, there really isn't. Like you mentioned, it's kind of stacked, You're, you know, your 10 best teams in baseball from both the the national league and the American league playing against each other. You know, you brought up something I wanted to talk about about the bullpen usage and how that has really uh, changed in the last uh, few years. And uh, we've seen that really in effect in the Wild Card game where they decided Rockies decided or not the rock. Well, they all did, basically decided to do bullpen <laughs> games and, uh, it was interesting, you know, the game with the Yankees. I was not totally surprised by the the thought of using, quote-unquote, an opener versus a starter uh, for Oakland. However, I going into that the playoffs, I, and I said this last week to Anthony, I thought Oakland was playing such outstanding baseball that they reminded me a lot of the Indians in 2016. They, it was an opportunity to get them on a roll. And, boy, I tell you what. I don't know if that's the most snake bitten team ever to make the playoffs in the last in the wild card era, but what is that? The eighth straight year that they've uh, they exited after on a one game exit.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's tough. Again, though, Yankees very very strong team, and uh, you know it's hard to hard to see too much in a in a one game in one game sample. Who would would you have had? Is there a starter on the A's that you would have? uh, No, not really. That's why I
0: I don't blame Malum for what he did. I thought he made it really a strategy move that just unfortunately didn't work. And when you look at the final score, but I don't think it was bad strategy. I think it was actually implemented pretty well. I think he made uh, you know some nice moves. I thought bringing in Trian when he did was the correct move, and it just Mm -hmm. didn't work. You know, sometimes you got to give credit to the other team for hitting the ball. Uh, and making good good at bats, and and that's what I thought I seen last night. And it was just that the Yankees had some really good at bats, and made made a made a, made, a uh, made the plays when they had to to get the runs in. But I love the idea of the bullpen thing. I think a lot of it, and maybe I'm biased here, uh, Nate. I'm kind of curious what your thought is when Francona used uh, Miller in 2016, kind of changed the thought process about. Short series and how to use your bullpen. And if you got a lead early, if you had a strong bullpen, go for it. I thought AJ Hinch last year did the same thing and was uh, very successful, you know, in helping the uh, Astros win the World Series.
4: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think, I think Terry Francona was, um, uh, yeah, I, I think what he did that year was a big part of how we got to where we are now um, in terms of like really saying, okay, playing 20 games in the postseason is different from playing 162 games in the regular season. And, and, you know, the rules are different. Maybe you want a guy in a consistent role for six months, but for one month, you know, he can do a different thing day by day. Um, So that's, that's certainly like, I think when baseball historians look back, they're going to look at that at, at specifically Francona and specifically Miller and say, that was a turning point. And it's been in baseball for a long time. If you follow the college game, some college coaches have been more innovative about that mm-hmm. for, for, again, a long time. Um, but in, in terms of it going mainstream, uh, I think I think that was uh, certainly certainly um, something that's going to be remembered, not least because that World Series is going to be remembered for a long time.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, obviously, a uh, game seven goes into you know, extra innings and, you know, yeah, it's it's just yeah. special. You know, and you know, hey, I, I'm I'm an Indian fan. I was on the wrong end of that for the second time in my lifetime. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's still you know the memories of that series will always be treasured. And yeah, you know, I hate I losing, but you. you understand you you're a Tiger fan. You've been on a on a you know seen some really great Tiger teams. Yep. and just come up short in 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 the World
4: Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a question for you. It's uh, it's it's it's, it's which is the more monumental like which is the greater home run in a losing World Series effort is it the Rajay Davis home run off Chapman or the Josh Hamilton home run in uh, game six in 2011 because those are both uh, things yeah. never, th- those are both just historically great home runs I'll never forget and I worry people are going to forget about them a little bit because the teams didn't win wh- which, wh- which one was better uh, you know
0: I thought that Josh Hamilton was just one of the greatest home runs I've ever seen. Uh, he, you know, and I think the Davis home run was the biggest surprise because yeah. you knew Hamilton could do it. Yeah. He just were, I think, you know, and be in that situation to put the Rangers up and have that opportunity was just phenomenal. What he did in that game was just, you know, he put them on his back and, and, and took them yeah. almost, over you know the the whole thing and it's a shame it didn't happen you know for the storybooks but i mean it made a great series too uh i think the davis home run and i remember distinctly uh being on twitter and, and using a poker term uh, uh after we got the base hit by Geyer, i kept saying we need a one time right here yeah, Geyer, yeah i'm yeah, calling yeah. for my one time and, and I, I immediately tweeted out the greatest one time of all time yeah. uh Uh, But uh, it was still, you know, I kind of I kind of lean towards the Hamilton
4: one because of uh, just how he played that entire series. Yeah, that makes sense, because, like, I mean, Hamilton was injured, but like he Mm -hmm. was still Josh Hamilton with the Rajay Davis. It was like, wait a minute. We're in the most historic world series of our adult lives in the most critical moment. Mm -hmm. And a platoon center fielder just hit a home run off the best closer in baseball. Like wait, what is it? Like, yeah. what's going and, on? and I He's guess that's bare, what bare, makes bare the hard. world series fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I was going to say that kind of goes back to the, uh, to the wild card game with the Rockies. I mean, Walters, I mean, who would ever picked him to be the hero? Uh, no. I heard it. I was mean, heard a stat uh, the other day that that was his first base hits in I want to say from September 22nd and his first road hit from August 20 something. Yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, he was batting like 122 on the road, and for him to come up with that base hit for the Rockies in, in extra innings in you know in Wrigley Field to uh, give them the you know the lead at the time. I mean, that to me is one of those the great base hits of at least this postseason, and we'll be interested to see how that propels the Rockies. I mean, I know they're trailing right now, but. I mean that was a huge, huge hit by someone who was unexpected.
3: Yeah, that was that was an absolutely incredible hit, and, and once again, it's by a guy that you didn't see coming. I know Tim and I have talked about this the past two weeks, and Nate, you brought it up too. Is guys shining who necessarily you wouldn't point to. You pointed to Melky Cabrera could be, you know, Pablo Sandoval. We don't know how he was in 2013, but he took the team on his back, and Walter was a former guy in the indian system comes up with the uh, biggest hit of the year for the rockies so it's what makes october the best month in baseball and uh really enjoyable yeah
4: it's also part of what makes baseball distinctive it's uh it's not basketball where you can mm-hmm. give it to your best player like if the, especially if the game goes to extra innings and and mm-hmm. your closer is used up like you can't just put lindor up to bat in the bottom of the 13th maybe it's going to yep. be milky like yep. Uh, maybe it's going to be, I think, what, Craig Council in that two thousand one game right. in, the, in in Game Seven. Like, it's uh, it's part of what makes baseball distinctive and and fun. I think is that you know when it's your turn, it's your turn, and uh, maybe maybe you go into history. Yeah, Bill
0: Mazeroski
4: is is a perfect mm-hmm. example. You know, yeah, uh,
0: no one's seen that home run coming, and it's still probably the most famous home run in World Series history or top five. If you know, you can name five others that that top but I, I'd like to know them, but uh, I mean, what he did, you know, for the Pirates back, and that was before you and I and you know were around. But still, I mean, everybody knows about that and has heard the uh, heard the sounds of that that home run. And that, I guess that's what makes it. You said it's special and unique. You just don't know who the next hero is going to be. Uh,
4: and this also. Um gets back to your first question, which is like, what's interesting about this year. And another thing you're seeing this year is teams being more uh, uh, aggressive and creative about how they use the 25 roster spots. So you can think back even five or six years and uh, Buck Showalter and the Orioles, they would go into the wild card game, which is again, it's a one game series. You can put any 25 guys you want on the roster for that game, but he would still have like the day before his starting pitcher. He would just sort of treat it as the next day he was going to roll out the same mm-hmm. 25 guys, even if two of the spots were wasted because they were starting pitchers with dead arms, you know, and then now we see the Yankees bringing three catchers to the game and only mm-hmm. one starting pitcher, uh, I mean other starting pitchers in the bullpen, but it's clear that these teams have stables of very smart analytics people saying okay how do we really optimize a 25 man roster for one, for one game for five games for seven games. Um, And, and that's, that's fun and interesting. I think.
0: I think it really changes the game. And that is uh, really part of baseball today. Like you said, the analytics and uh, most teams now have uh, accepted that part of the game and really have used it to their advantage. I, the shift, as you mentioned earlier, has been a big part of baseball. I mean, it's always been in baseball. But people just didn't pay attention to it. It's just done at a higher rate now than ever before. And I don't have a problem with it. I, you know, my whole thinking is that the game is, is about adjustments. If you're a player and they're shifting against you 90% of the time, make an adjustment. You can do it. Uh, uh, the old days of, uh, uh, like Mike Hargrove used to say, you just stay in and do what you do. I don't think is, is necessarily true. I think you can make adjustments because when you do it makes, it's kind of like a chess game. You, you have to adjust to that. If, a, if a player who is being shifted against all of a sudden is able to hit more up the middle or more to the, the, the left side or, or the right side, it changes the, uh, the defense in the future. And, and that's what it takes. You have to be willing to take advantage of what the defense is giving you. And, uh, it's easier said than done because pitchers will pitch inside to make sure you're pulling the ball and uh, they're going to, you know, they're going to give you the fastball inside and they're going to give you the hard stuff inside or the, the breaking pitch inside. They're going to make sure you, you hit that way. Cause that's what the analytics has shown, but you know, pitchers make mistakes too. You just have to take advantage of it. And then uh, one, one of the things I always hear analysts talk about who played the game is this game is about, about adjustments and every team's going to have a book on you. You have to, adjust to that and figure out what works to uh, be successful. I don't care if it's, you know, and that's maybe the the launch rate, you know, that on, that has come into baseball in the last few years, trying to hit it over the the infield and, you know, hit the home run uh, as a way to uh, defend against the shift. I don't know. It's, it's just one theory that, you know, you hear a lot, but the launch rate, I don't know if it still has a, uh, a thing as it was a couple of years ago or not. I haven't heard much about it as much as I did the last couple of years.
4: I think launch angle is a thing. It's still in the data. Hitters are mm-hmm. still doing it. So that, that seems to be here to stay. Well, you, you agree, Anthony?
3: Yeah, I agree. I think we had our own cases here at the Indians and uh, Yonder Alonzo last year, fought more into the launch angle and he had his best uh, career year statistically. And this year uh, he followed up by 20, 324 24 home runs, Tim. Does that sound right for him yeah. with the So, I definitely think Lion's angle specifically is big time in baseball. And, um, the endings are seeing with uh, Ramirez and Lindor, he, you know, uh, two years ago and even last year, uh, Lindor hit 300, 320. Ramirez, two. you know, their average went down a little bit, but they were 39 and 38 home, home runs respectively. So, I definitely think the Lion's angle is very prevalent in the game. And I think it's only going to get more impact was as the years go on. Looking at the, uh, the Red Sox Yankees series, Boston got to be going
0: crazy right now. This is probably <laughs> what everyone wants. Everyone desires really? and, and uh, baseball actually, you know, the, I guess the networks love this. Uh, mm-hmm. And
3: yeah. I get, I look
0: at it as uh, you know, I'm kind of curious as what is, what is the concern uh, scale for uh, Chris Sale's health right now up in
4: Boston nobody knows before it was, so the interesting thing is when he went on the Dl the first time it looked like a complete sham and it uh-huh. looked like he just wanted a break and you know look you know we're 20 games up in the division who cares you know we'll let him you know he wants to take his family on a cruise or something that that that's what it uh-huh. felt like it said mild shoulder inflammation and we're not worried about it it looked kind of like he just wanted to Chill in Aruba for a little while, um, but then, then you know he came back. He wasn't great. Went on the DL again, and now I think his fastball has been topping out at around ninety-one. So that's yes. scary. So that's mm-hmm. that's that's a good way to uh, really get your fans scared. Um, that's what comes before Tommy John surgery. That's what comes before. Uh, what's the technical term? Sucking. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's very. It, it's yeah, everybody's scared. Everybody's scared at the same time. Uh, there's still price. Eduardo Rodriguez has been good. Uh, of Valdi is fine, he'll be he'll, he'll play well out of the pen. A lot of relievers, so I think the the, the pitching health is, is, is scary. Um, but again, over 20 25 games, who knows what'll happen? But yeah, um, it's been a funny the Chris sale thing has been funny. It's, um, everybody not worried when, before you would have been worried. And then all of a sudden, very worried.
3: Oh, to piggyback off that, are Red Sox fans hesitant about David Price and his postseason lack of success lately, or are they,
4: I mean, I can't, I can't speak of, I can't speak for all Red Sox fans, but, uh, yes, they're very worried. <laughs> they're, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I think, um, You know, Boston's a a funny town. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, the the easy answer is yes, because some of the inconsistency is just in the numbers, and we know he's a great pitcher, but we also can just see that it's not always there. Um, The the bigger answer is that around here... yeah, I think he still hasn't quite clicked with, with Red Sox Nation yet. Um, there was that whole media thing last year with Dennis Eckersley, I'm sure you remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a big mm-hmm. deal around here. And uh, for whatever reason, some of the reasons are kind of universal and understandable. A guy with a big contract comes in and he's a little bit uneven and fans resent it. Some of it's pretty gross uh, and gets into the Red Sox history of race and things like that. Um, but for a lot of reasons, um, yeah, David Price is a guy who, who, who draws a lot of skepticism that said, you know, he's elite. Um, yeah, he was always, he always, at least to me, seemed like, uh, you know, good guy, good teammate with the Tigers and here too. So, uh, you know, I, I, I myself think he's gonna, he's gonna be good, but, um, but I wouldn't want to bet too much on it. I wouldn't want to bet too much on it.
0: This series is going to be interesting between these two uh, teams. I love what Boston has done this year all season long. I mean, they're focused and you look what they you know what JD Martinez has brought to the team, uh, what Mookie Betts has, you know, has had the season, the MVP season that he's had, uh, is just you know really sensational. Uh, I worry about their bullpen a little bit. And when you get into the playoffs, that could be a concern. And Chris sales, as we were talking about, uh, as you were gone for a moment, I think Chris sales, you know, obviously was headed towards the Cy young award before all this uh, appeared. And I mean, there has, like I said earlier, you mentioned you mentioned uh, eight, nine miles per hour difference in this fastball from uh, July till today is, is, is a major concern, especially when you're facing a lineup like the Yankees have uh, this coming week. And, It's typical AL East baseball, and it should be a lot of fun. Uh, And then, I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of home runs in this series, even though we're going to see what the Yankees did yesterday. It was, uh, you know, they were able to use Seve and get him out there. And, uh, you know, he he performed unlike he did against the Twins the year before. So I don't know what's left, you know, half. We'll see. I mean, he's had a good year playing for the Yankees after he got traded from uh, Toronto. So. I don't know if they have enough starting pitching and I do know they have the bullpen, which is going to be interesting this year.
4: Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It should be a great series. I mean, that's 208 wins worth of teams. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, this Red Sox team historically great. I mean, even if they get swept by the Yankees, it's still a historical season and the Yankees are, you know, they're the Yankees with the big, big ticket uh, players, but also with this amazing young core and like, you know, special cameo guest Luke Voigt, who all of a sudden mm-hmm. is great. So, like, it's mm-hmm. a fun team. It's a fun team, uh, elite team, good top to bottom. As you say, the starting pitching is is uh, questionable, especially if they burn Severino in the wildcard game. So, that's going to leave them um, with something to address. But um, yeah, I think everybody just wants a good series. Could be a, a, a historical, memorable series. So, that's what I'm rooting for. Yeah, as a baseball
0: fan, I always root for five games or seven mm-hmm. games, and I've learned my lesson as an Indian fan. because yeah. <laughs> uh, I always wanted the maximum amount of baseball, but let's get Houston done. <laughs> it took 20 years in between the World Series appearances, but I never want to yeah. see a game yeah. seven again. <laughs> <laughs>
4: You, you wanted the seven games? Did you want the rain delay also? Is that, was no, that really- no no no
0: no definitely not. That was uh, Anthony still can't get over that one.
4: No,
0: uh, that, no that still stings. <laughs> uh, I'm not over that yet. Uh, I'm still not over uh that 97 series. That that team kind of reminds me a little bit of the Indians because th- that mm-hmm. team kind of you know was on cruise control all season long before the playoffs. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if this team for the Indians can have some of the magical at-bats that 97 team had, uh, you know, Tony Fernandez's home run against Baltimore uh, and uh, and other, you know, in that magical run, of course, all season long that Alomar had behind the plate and what he brought. It'll be interesting to see if this Indian team has that type of uh, timing that uh, the 97 team did it to kind of turn it on in the playoffs which was not necessarily there. I mean, in '97, I don't even know if they won 90 games. I don't even think no, they did. They won 97. Yeah, they'll be interested to see if there's a comparison to that Indians team to this one because they were on the same type of thing. They were on a cruise control. They that they owned the division early and they yeah. just needed to,
4: you know, get to the playoffs. Yeah, it's a good comparison. It's a good comparison. That's, good comparison. that's um... but this team, this team is built to last, right? Like they can get. They can get bounced this year and still still come back. Uh, I mean, the Twins are not going to be world beaters next year, and uh, the Indians won't be losing too many people, I don't think, um, at least not without losing some corresponding salary. So this is, a, this is an intelligently built team. It should be, should be in the mix for, for a good while here, right?
3: Miller, Allen, uh, Brantley, and Chisenhall um, in their contract years this year, you're going to lose some guys because you can't resign everybody. But like you said, they're they're very they're very fundamentally sound contract wise, and yeah. uh, they're staggered. They're not built to where like the roles were were everybody's a mass active after one year. Yeah. So Kluber, Ramirez, and I hope you can get Lindor locked up. Um, you have Encarnacion through next season with a club option for the following season. So you do have guys that are staggered contract wise, but. You know, I think, like Tim said, the addition of Hand is big not only this year, but I think going forward with the possible departures of both Miller and Allen.
4: Yeah, and that's good. And I mean, that that, that salary off the books too, that that I'm sure will be used um, intelligently mm-hmm. to 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 fill any holes. Um, you know, uh, the Houston aspect
0: of this playoffs I think gets overlooked because of yep. AL East and how. Dominant Boston who've been with 108 wins and then the Yankees with their lineup with 100 wins. I mean, Houston has 103 wins. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's not, I mean, oh, they're, I they're defending world champions and that's that's usually enough to uh, lead all the baseball in wins yeah. every year. And, uh, you know, th- I thought, talking about an intelligent-built team, yeah. uh, they, uh, I think, hit overdrive this past offseason. I mean, the addition of Cole uh, last year bringing in, Verlander, you know, uh, at the the second deadline was absolutely one of the greatest moves that we've seen at the waiver deadline in many years. You know, you look at that lineup, it's 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 daunting. It, it they get overlooked easy and they're the world champions. And it's not going to be easy and quite honest with you, you know, when I look at the the Cy Young award this year, you know, Verlander to me is my pick followed by Kluber, and then I go to, you know, Snell. And, and that's just because of the volume. And what, and you look at what Verlander's done, yeah. I know he has nine losses, but he has, like, 280 strikeouts and 210 innings pitched. And it's yeah. just, to me, uh, I mean, it's what you always expect out of uh, Verlander, and he's 35 years old, and he's still doing it.
4: Yeah, no, that's great. So much respect for him. I, it used to be said in the Detroit media that on on game days, he wouldn't lift his hand above his head. Or no, on off days or something like he he, he had that kind of discipline where he he would go the whole day if 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 that was a day he needed to rest his arm he would eat with the Mm -hmm. other hand he would go the whole day without raising his arm above his head and um, uh, certainly has a reputation that kind of work ethic and a lot of intensity and by the way you know three plus plus pitches which is good Um, (laughs) so yeah it's um, I mean I I adore him I'm glad I'm glad he's somewhere he can win. And uh, uh, yeah, very exciting to me. Um, one question the folks on MLB mm-hmm. Network were kicking around uh, was, you know, if you uh, if if you have one guy who who needs to get in, in Game Seven, who who do you have? I mean, I think Verlander's my guy. Kluber would be very good also, but um, you know, if really if I got to choose somebody now, it's Verlander among any player among any pitcher who's left at least
0: yeah i those those two are my you i think you just flip a coin yeah. and whoever wins on that flip <laughs> you had the right the right side of the coin because uh they both have done it uh, obviously verlander you know has more experience and done it you know with detroit you know going into the uh, world series and then last year with houston but i love what kluber brings to the indians and his steadiness and is and very much like Verlander, a guy who makes no excuses for his performance, just accepts them what they are and moves forward. And I, and you don't see that in sports too much. But uh those two, to me, are are, are the class of the of the American League starting pitchers. And there are others coming up uh, that are going to be fun to watch. But when he, if you told me uh, there's a game on and and Verlander's pitching, I'm going to watch it. And if the same thing with Kluber, I mean, and I don't want to take anything away from David Price or or, or Chris Sales or or some you know, obviously, you know, some of the National League pitchers too, but you're talking about really, in my opinion, maybe the in Verlander the last, you know, I want to say fifteen years, maybe I'm I'm stretching a couple of years, but uh
4: the most consistent pitcher in baseball. Yeah. No, certainly. Certainly. I mean, he was, he had about a year and a half where he was figuring things out. He dipped Mm -hmm. a little bit, but, um, you know, he he got traded it last year. He, uh, his first four or five starts were, you know, still in the, still in the, in the dip a little bit. Then he was consistently excellent for about two thirds of the season. Then he got traded and he's been, he's been elite ever since about June of last year. It's been, it's been really something to see. And for uh, for those of us who are a little more traditional, uh, lots of starting pitching, lots of starting mm-hmm. pitching with durable guys who are going to go a long time. You know, Verlander, Cole, Carrasco, Kluber. I mean these these are these are people who are going to uh, get up there and throw hard for a long time. So that it'll be fun to see. Uh, great starting pitching performances are always are always memorable and fun.
0: Well, I think that's what baseball is based on. Mm-hmm. You know, I know the bullpen has dominated in the postseason, and it, and it makes a lot of sense and strategy. But uh, you know, the Morris, is, you know what he did in his time. You know, especially what you know, three days rest going ten innings when he was with Minnesota in Game Seven will always be memorable. And so many other pitchers who have uh, done it over the years in baseball, I think starting pitching always dominates and is always the class of the act in October, even though you do have the year shiny stars of the guys like like Miller has been or maybe harder will be this year for uh, Milwaukee, who's to me just phenomenal watch. And it's going to be interesting to see how Milwaukee uses him this entire postseason.
4: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I need to let you go in a couple minutes here. Any 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 last things you want to cover? Uh, real quick, uh, just
0: yep. give me your thoughts on the National League here. I didn't mean to uh, monopolize all your time here yeah. on the American League. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, hey, it's great that the Rockies are good. Um, Dodgers kind of like the kind of like the Christmas Eve team of the National League. Like mm-hmm. maybe they're putting it all together. Also, who is Max Muncie and why is he their best hitter? Um, so that's. Fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, the Braves, uh, I have a bet that, that I, I, am going to lose serious money if the Braves win, but it'll be fun to watch them do it if they do. So, uh, I, I got to root for everybody else, but, um, <laughs> you know, exciting, exciting young teams stacked top to bottom. I think guys like Freddie Freeman get a little bit, uh, lost in the national conversation because there are 25 other amazing young sluggers, but like, yeah, you just look at the number. It turns out Freddie Freeman is amazing. Right. So, uh, you know, the Braves, it's one of those teams, I don't wake up in the morning and think about the Braves a lot, but when they're on my TV screen, I'm always like very happy to be watching so much talent, fun to watch. So that's, that's going to be great. Um, and yeah, Brewers top to bottom, good team haters. Amazing. He's almost like, it's almost like you're playing a board game or something and you just get like three free outs at some point. You know, it's fun. I mean, He's, he's been so dominant. It's almost, uh, it almost creates like it it almost feels different. It's like, uh, you know, it's like your one time out during the game or something. So, um, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of talent over there too. And, um, it's always funny to watch the national league in the postseason these days because American league baseball feels more like national league baseball with all the extra substitutions. So, uh, you know, watching national league, it's, it's, it's fun to then watch the national league and, you know, see the pitchers hit and all that. Um, So that's, that's my lightning tour of the national league. mostly the same as the, as the American league, like, Hey, great players. It's going to be fun.
0: Nate, I want to thank you again for coming on. I appreciate you taking the time. Please uh, come on again, maybe uh, towards the world series just for a few minutes and, and we'll have some fun uh, previewing that or even talking about what's going on in the world series. I truly enjoy the baseball talk with you and uh, it's always fun and, Wish you nothing but success and uh, congratulations on everything going on in your yeah. life.
4: Yeah, well, thanks very much. And uh, hey, congratulations to you guys. I really enjoyed being on it. Again, thank you very much for the invitation. The first 50 episodes are the hardest. The next mm-hmm. 200 are easy. Don't worry about <laughs> it. So, um, <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but really, it, it's great. It's A lot of people start podcasts. Not a lot of people get past about 20 or so. So uh, I think it's great what you're doing. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. And it, it'd be an honor to come back on.
0: I appreciate it. that is Nate Mavis. He is from Melrose, Massachusetts. He is part of the thinking poker podcast, a great baseball fan and a friend of our podcast here on radio MVP. Once again, thanks again, mate. We'll talk thanks to you soon.
4: Much. Take care.
0: Take care. Thanks, Nate. Uh, he's one of the, uh, it's always fun to meet somebody that you've uh, get to hear and talk mm-hmm. to. You know, and uh, like I said, uh, everybody knows how much I enjoy poker. I don't play a lot of it anymore. Uh, I just don't have time and I, it's, it's a big commitment and I, I just enjoy listening to it. And if you, uh, are interested in the game, tune into uh, thinking poker podcast, just about anywhere all your podcast uh, apps will find it. And you'll hear some really interesting talk on that. And, uh, like I say, he's a huge baseball fan, uh, And uh, very knowledgeable, and that's what's – it's fun to hear uh, someone else's opinion. And I enjoyed that, and I, again, thank uh, Nate for uh, making time to come on the podcast.
3: Yeah, it was obviously great to have him aboard and um, have somebody else's perspective uh, from a more national scene um, than what you and I are used to. You know, we talk a lot about the Indians here, right? So we're big Indians fans, Um, but it was nice to hear an outsider's perspective, a division – rival opponent perspective and a person who lives in Red Sox country, Uh just fantastic knowledge of the game. And I uh, just thank him a lot for coming on and help us grow our, our brand. Cause that's what we're trying to do. And uh 52 in, and like you said, uh, let's keep going for 200, 300 more, huh?
0: Yeah. Why not? You know, it, it can be done. Uh Like I said, it's, it's great. Look, there's a lot of sports going on in the world. We're going to get back into football season real quickly Uh, And I'm just going to say this. We got high school football on ESPN 1570 coming your Mm -hmm. way. You don't want to miss that. Obviously, I'm doing some of the games for Carnegie Mellon. Uh, That's on the internet through their website. So I'll leave links on my uh, Facebook page and Twitter uh, for you to check that out. This week, we do not have a game with Carnegie Mellon. They're on the road. We just have their home games. Uh, The next game. At home, I believe, is next Saturday. Not this Saturday, but the following Saturday. And we'll have one more game uh, for the Car- Carnegie Mellon on Tartans uh, schedule. So a lot of football coming your way. And uh, we're planning on getting Matt Emsch back on to talk with him as uh, we get into the uh, football season as we continue here on Radio MVP. Anthony, let's uh, wrap this one up. I'll give you the last thoughts going into uh, – the Indians uh, opener against uh, Houston down in Houston as uh, the 103 win Astros are waiting for the 91 win Cleveland Indians in the ALDS.
3: Yeah, I think it's, um, we talk about high school football season going fast. It's hard to believe that I was in Goodyear just five months ago, six months ago, and we're already here at game one. Uh, So hopefully – uh, this is the year that uh, we've all been waiting for. And uh, it's a big start for Kluber tomorrow to get us on the right track. It's big for us and team and big for him as an individual. So, Sam, um, I hope this is the start of a magical 11-win postseason final.
0: And my thanks to uh, Frank and Julie Mazaka coming on and talking to me about their upcoming charity event for uh, the boxing over at the civic center on October 13th. You don't want to miss that. And we'll leave uh, information on that on the uh, webpage too. And over, of course, on uh, the Facebook page, uh, how to get involved in that. So my thanks to both Frank and Joey for coming on earlier today, as I did that interview earlier this week with them. And again, my thanks to Nate Mavis for all his uh, contributions today. Anthony, as always, We will talk to you soon right here on Radio MVP as we uh, move forward to episode 53 coming your way very soon right here. Mm -hmm. Talk to you soon.